Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or become one of our Patreon uh, supporters on an ongoing basis at patreon.greatdetectives.net. You can also mail in your one-time donations to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. That's Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. Now it's time for today's episode of Richard Diamond. The original air date, March the 23rd of 1951, and the title is Little Shiva. The makers of Camel Cigarettes present Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. How mild can a cigarette be? One puff won't tell you. One sniff won't tell you. It takes day in, day out smoking to find out how mild a cigarette is, how well it agrees with your throat. Make the sensible cigarette test, the thorough test. Smoke only camels for 30 days and see just how mild a cigarette can be. Here, transcribed, is Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. It was about two o'clock in the afternoon. It was cold out, and it had been raining. When it got a little warmer, it would probably snow. The whole city was covered with a heavy sheet of ice, and the steam heat in my office gurgled and clouded up the windows. I was feeling pretty good. I was warm. I'd had one client in the past week, and my bank account was on its way to recovery, and a good breakfast in the drugstore downstairs had made me comfortable and drowsy. I put my feet up on the desk, leaned back in my chair, and closed my eyes. Mr. Diamond? I must have been napping and didn't know it. I hadn't heard the door open, but there he stood, framed in the door, resting his weight on the jam, and looking across the room at me with tired eyes. Mr. Diamond? Uh, Yes, uh, what can I do for you? My name is Abel Gunther. I want to hire you. All right, Mr. Gunther, I charge a hundred a day in expenses. I don't think I can pay it. I can pay you some, but I don't think I can pay you that much. Well, that's my fee for you or Rockefeller. I got expenses. I see. Well, I'll keep looking. I need help. Perhaps you could recommend someone? Uh, You'll pardon me for saying so, but 
You don't look too well, Mr. Gunther. I'm pretty sick, Mr. Dam. Maybe you'd better sit down and tell me what your problem is. I can't afford the money. That's all right. Tell me about it anyway. I think I had better sit down. Yes, you better. What's wrong? You got the flu or something? <laughs> no, no. I'm afraid it's a little more serious. Would you really like to hear my story? I think I really would. I'm a farmer, Mr. Diamond. My home is Haiti, near Saint-Lazare. Haiti? Yes. The West Indies. I, I was born there, raised there. My parents died when I was 13. I have a wife. She's there now, and she's the main reason I have come here seeking help. My wife is dying, Mr. Diamond. I must get help quickly before it is too late. I have a farm. He kept talking, telling me about his life on Haiti. He told me about his farm, a fairly good-sized farm by his description. He told me how in the past two years things began to go wrong on his farm. And soon all the farms First, in the, the area spires. were also having the trouble. The cane fields would burn every year. Then it was the cattle. One by one they became sick. Then my wife and now me. And you don't know what's wrong with either of you, huh? Yes and no. My Christian religion fights it, but my life on Haiti has taught me deep respect for it. Respect for what? Voodoo, Mr. Diamond. Oh, I, I know just what you're thinking. But a doctor in Haiti has examined my wife and can find nothing wrong. Well, I don't particularly believe in anything like that, Mr. Gunther. But if you do, why have you come to me? I said I have a healthy respect for it. I don't entirely believe it, but some of the things I've seen make it difficult to disbelieve. I came to you because I suspect a possibility of something more. Immediately after my wife was taken ill, I received an offer from my farm, a very low offer from a Saint-Légère banker. I investigated, found it had been made in the interests of one Arthur Cotswold. Arthur Cotswold? Katie's biggest planter. Oh. How about the other farmers? They received offers like mine. Being the oldest farmer, the rest looked to me for guidance. I told them to wait. Then I came here to hire someone to look into the matter. Would you like some water? No. No, thank you. I'm all right. Uh, anyone else become ill besides you and your wife? Yes. Several others. I, I have $368 in my ticket home. The money is yours if you will go to Haiti and investigate. Have you been to a doctor here in New York? No. Mr. Diamond here is... Directions how to get to my farm. My servant, little Shiva, is there. No one knows I came. Mr. Gunther. <laughs> Mr. Gunther. Levinson oh. Homicide. Uh, hello, Walt. Oh, Rick. Yeah. Better get up to my office. I've got a dead man for you. Are you kidding? That's what Gunther told me. Voodoo? Voodoo smoodoo. That's what the man said. Now, steady, boy. Oh, stop it, Walt. You know I don't believe it. But you're going down to Haiti. Well, somebody's got to tell the wife. The local authorities can do that. Hey. Now, what's the matter? The local authorities in Haiti. Why didn't Gunther go to them if he thought there was something phony about the setup? You want an opinion? If you can strain one out. Well, Gunther probably didn't go to the Haiti authorities because he knew they'd think just what you're thinking. Okay, so I'm crazy. Well, Gunther died in my office. He came a long way for help, and the poor guy wanted to give me his last $368. So I'm going to Haiti. I'll send you a zombie. Walt, 
Falk promised to send a wire and care of the authorities in Saint-Léger as soon as he got an autopsy report on Mr. Gunther, and I headed to the airline's ticket office. By 8 o'clock that evening, I was in an airline's flagship at 12,000 feet heading for the West Indies and Haiti. The trip wasn't bad. We landed in Miami, where I grabbed a cup of coffee and then climbed aboard a clipper for Port-au-Prince. At Port-au-Prince, I took a bus to Saint-Léger, and from there, a beaten-up taxi to the Gunther farm, about ten miles into the country. As we neared the farm, I could see a crowd of people standing around in front of the house. And as I climbed out of the cab and approached them, they turned, and their hushed conversations were suddenly stilled. I didn't know what it was. No one said a word. But something was wrong. I could feel it. I walked through the crowd to the house and stopped cold as the door opened. Who are you? I'd never seen anything like him. He was a native and he ducked his head as he stepped out of the door to face me. He was a good seven feet tall, or maybe more. He must have weighed close to 300. He stood on his bare feet, his long muscled arms hanging loosely at his sides, and looked at me with dark shining eyes. Me little Chiva, who are you? Oh, me very little Richard Diamond. Mr. Gunther hired me to come here. You from New York? Oh, yes. Mr. Gunther couldn't come back. He died. That's right. How did you know? You come in? Uh, sure. What are all those people doing out there? Their friends, madam. She died too. Little Chiva led the way into the bedroom where Mrs. Gunther lay on the bed covered with a fresh white sheet. Her eyes closed in death, her face drawn and tired. Little Chiva told me she had died the day before, about three in the afternoon, and a cold chill ran up my back. I remembered her husband lying on the floor of my office about three o'clock in the afternoon, the day before. What do you do here? Uh, Mr. Gunther wanted me to find out why the cattle are getting sick, why the fields are burning, why he and his wife became ill. Bad voodoo. Well, he thought it might have something to do with a man named Cotswold. He big man. What are those drums? For madam and mister. They voodoo. Good voodoo. Give blessing for spirit for madam and mister. Oh. You, uh... You see, little chief, the mister, uh, Mr. Gunther, wanted me to help him. He paid me money to help him and died asking for help. I'm going to try and do what I can. The madam and Mr. Good people teach little Chiva. They take little Chiva when he's small boy and make good life. You good man, little Chiva help you. Right then, I inherited little Chiva. And if there was going to be any trouble, the giant servant would certainly help to make up the difference. The first thing I wanted to do was contact the local authorities in Saint-Léger. And little Chiva told me my man was one Inspector Laplanche. A very fine person, Mr. Gunther. I'm sorry he's dead. Well, how'd everybody know he was dead? On Haiti, things of such nature are never a secret. The natives know. Voodoo? Being a stranger to Haiti, Mr. Diamond, I expect you to be a skeptic. But uh, you believe in voodoo? Let us say I have been in Haiti too long not to believe. Well, Gunther thought the whole thing might have something to do with a man named Cotswold. I would suggest you forget Mr. Cotswold. Then I suggest you give me a good reason to forget him. 
Mr. Cotswold is a very big man on Haiti, the largest plantation owner on the West Indies, and a self-made man with a considerable temper. Well, thanks for the advice, Inspector. But supposing I come up with something incriminating? If Mr. Cotswold has breached the law, it would certainly be my duty to arrest him. But I am not considering the arrest. More, the necessary steps that would have to be taken to prove the guilt. Dangerous steps, Mr. Diamond. One might trip on those steps. And break his neck. Yes. <laughs> you like the middle of the road, huh? It is much easier to see what is ahead. It's possible to get run down from behind. I do as much as I can to prevent that possibility. Example, my suggestion, you forget, Mr. Cotswold. I left the philosophical inspector and went outside where little Cheever had been waiting. Every time I looked at Cheever, it was like a little kid spotting the Empire State for the first time. He smiled a mouthful of white teeth as he said, The inspector, he say forget Mr. Cotswold. That's right. What do you think, little Cheever? I think I do what you want. You know what I want? You want go see Cotswold. Hmm. Think I'm crazy? You're not afraid. You're not strong like little Cheever. But little Cheeva, think of all the men he know. You would fight hardest. I don't like to fight, little Cheeva. Little Cheeva know that. We go see Cotswold. Little Cheeva led the way up a long, narrow road surrounded on both sides by high sugarcane fields. Somewhere from not too far away, I heard the drums start again. Little Cheeva stopped, looked off to the north began moving his shoulders, slowly keeping time to the steady rhythm of the drums. He began to sing softly. Oh, hey, oh, hey, say Papa New keep a passe. Oh, hey, oh, hey, say Papa New keep a passe. What does that mean, little Jiva? It means in your language... It is our Papa who passes. Papa? Papa Dambala, the great source. Voodoo? Yes. Later I must leave you. Today is Wednesday. This is the day of Papa Dambala. Oh, hey, oh, hey, Papa He continued his little chant until we reached the beginning of a long high fence running along next to the narrow road. Cheever leaned down and swung a gate open. Then we walked up the path that led through the Cotswold property until we reached the house. There, sitting back between two huge trees, was the Cotswold mansion. I walked up to the front door alone. Mr. Diamond. Yes, Cheever? Watch out for Mr. Jocelyn. He guard Cotswold. Thanks, I'll do that. What do you want? I want to see Cotswold. You do, eh? What are you doing here, little Cheever? I wait for Mister. <laughs> Found himself a new governor, what? You must be that fellow Diamond. Mm, I must be. Well, come in. Mr. Cotswold's been expecting you. He introduced himself as Jocelyn and led the way into a large panel study. And I met the big man himself, Arthur Cotswold. The drums stopped. Today is Wednesday. It belongs to the great god Dambala. Uh, so I understand. Most days of the week are significant in voodoo. Will you have a drink, Mr. Diamond? No, thank you. 
Jocelyn, mix me his gin and tonic. Yes, Mr. Cotswold. Thursday and Saturday belong to Uzele Frida, the goddess of love. I'll have to remember that. I know why you are here, Mr. Diamond. I'm glad you do. For some reason, Gunther and the rest of the miserable farmers think I'm responsible for their trouble. Of course you're not. I simply tried to help them. With their cattle sick and their crops gone, I had my banker make them an offer. Have any of your cattle taken sick? None. Pretty strange. Haiti is a strange land. Now, you're not going to start talking voodoo. You're a stranger, Mr. Diamond. There are many things that you would not understand, and I would certainly not try and convert you. Well, I appreciate your interest, but I intend to find out why Gunther and his wife died. At this point, I would most certainly give you advice on. Go home, Mr. Diamond. Leave well enough alone. After I come up with an answer. Mr. Diamond, I am not a patient man. I have gone out of my way to give you some healthy advice. Heed it. For your sake, heed it. No, thanks. I'll let you know what I find out. You persist in this investigation? I always persist. In fact, I'm the persistentist. Before we continue with Richard Diamond, here are a few words about smoking enjoyment. The things we look for most in a cigarette are mildness and flavor. You'll find both of these things in camels. Day after day and pack after pack. No other cigarette has camels' rich, full flavor. The flavor of costly tobaccos, properly aged and expertly blended. And no other cigarette gives you this proof of mildness. In a coast-to-coast test of hundreds of people who smoked only camels for 30 days, noted throat specialists reported... Not one single case of throat irritation due to smoking camels. Make your own 30-day camel test. Not just a puff, not just a sniff, but normal smoking for about a month. You'll enjoy every puff, and you'll know without question how mild camels are, how well they agree with your throat. Yes, and you'll see why. More people smoke camels than any other cigarette. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the camel 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke camels and see. And now, back to Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. I left Arthur Cotswold, cooling his fit with a gin and tonic, went back to Cheever, and he led me back to town. On the way, I got an idea. When we arrived in town, I sent little Cheever back to the Gunther farm. Then I went in to talk to Inspector LaPlanche. The inspector had received a wire from one Lieutenant Walt Levinson, 5th Precinct, New York Police. Well, I had no idea the New York police were interested in this affair. They're always interested when someone drops dead. No. Here's something pretty interesting, Inspector. Hmm? Mr. Gunther died of a disease known as brucellosis, commonly known in cattle as Bang's disease. Ever heard of it? I'm not a medical man, Mr. Diamond. Hmm. Well, it's undulant fever. Both Gunther and his wife probably caught it from their sick cattle. What do you intend to do? Well, I think those cattle were infected deliberately, and the cane fields burned purposely. If the cattle were infected deliberately, there must be some of the brucellosis still around, and I'm going to find it. Maybe at Mr. Cotswold's. I think you better issue a search warrant and come with me. Mr. Diamond, 
The middle of the road, remember? I think you'd better forget the middle of the road, Inspector. Unless you want me to get in touch with the authorities and have you held as a material witness in a murder case. I... I will issue the warrant. I kind of thought you would. I will issue it, but you certainly do not think it will be enough to get you into the Cotswold house? No, but it'll make it legal. I sent little Cheva back to collect some of his friends. They're going to help us get in that house, Inspector. I will have no part of violence. Oh, they won't even be with us. It would be easy to search the Cotswold place if Cotswold was out fighting a fire. Fire? Just a harmless fire, Inspector. But far enough away so that Cotswold will think it's his cane fields. Oh, well, then I will certainly issue the warrant, Mr. Diamond. As long as we are going to do everything open and above board, I will certainly issue it. Hmm. Welcome back to the gutter, Inspector. The view isn't much, but you can't miss where you're going. Let's go get little Shiva. those natives doing at the Gunthers? I don't know. It looks like something's wrong. We piled out of the car and pushed our way through the crowd of natives. Inside the house, we found what was wrong. Lying in the middle of the room was little Chiefer. He was almost dead when I knelt beside him. I... I... I talked to friends. They light fire for you. Thanks, Chiefer. Now... Dumbalo, where do take me? He's been stabbed. And he cut him in two. They got him from behind. Never would have faced him. You stay. You see, wait till non tete your mort. See what? It is a ritual. It means taking the spirit from the head of the dead. He wants you to see it. You stay. You believe voodoo. All right, Shiva. I'll stay. Now, who did this to you? Nazi. In back. Ah. <sighs> He's dead. The next few hours I'll never forget. The inspector knew what was coming and he wanted no part of it, so he waited outside. I don't know whether I can describe it, but I'll try. And even though I saw it with my own eyes, I still don't quite believe it. The natives came into the house and picked up little Chiva. They placed him on a bench and the ceremony began. Some of them had already obtained the necessary items used for weighty loa non teti yummort. They included several live pigeons, olive oil, 30 pieces of fat pine wood, a pair of chickens, some coarse cornmeal and a saddle blanket, and a large white plate. Little Chiva's body was covered by the blanket and then the pigeons were killed and cooked without seasoning. The cornmeal was roasted, then placed in the white plate. The 30 slivers of pine wood were lighted and carried by the natives like candles. Then one of the natives took the white plate with the meal in one hand and the pot with the chicken in the other and approached the fire chanting a strange dirge. I nearly ran out of the screaming Mimis. As he finished the last line of the chant, the dead body of little Chiva sat straight up with straining eyes, bowed its head, and fell back. (laughs) 
You look a little pale, Mr. Diamond. Well, I can't understand why. Probably because my blood's hiding in my feet. What do you think of voodoo now? Well, let's forget it, shall we? I haven't got the money for a good rest home. Yeah. We are close to the Cotswoldas. Good. Let's park it here and wait until the fire starts. The inspector and I sat in the car and waited while the moon climbed up over the clouds and the drums in the distance tangled my nerves into complete knots. After about an hour of waiting, a dull glow to the south started the expected commotion in the Cotswold household, and we climbed out of the car. Fire, Mr. Cotswold! The cane field! Fire! Hit the servants! Hit every man out there to fight that fire! It had worked. The inspector and I stayed to the shadows until the last man went running out of the house. Then we went in. We worked as fast as we could. We took the place apart. And I must say, the timid inspector had really gotten out of the middle of the road. He tore the place apart like he'd spent most of his time on a wrecking crew. I have not found a thing. Oh, the house is clean. Uh, there's a barn. Then let's go. We went out of the house and headed for the barn about 50 yards away. The drums were louder now, and the dull glow of the fire had nearly vanished. It was obvious that the inspector and I had to work fast. He took one end of the barn and I took the other. We worked toward each other. Just about the time I was ready to give the whole thing up. Diamond! Diamond! Inspector, you find something? This uh, hypodermic for cattle. That's not enough. This bottle hidden under this box? Well, it's more like it. Let's get it back to town and have it analyzed. That won't be necessary, Mr. Diamond. Cotswold. It was Cotswold. And he had three things on his side that made the situation very uncomfortable. His bodyguard, Jocelyn, and two guns. They stepped through the open door and moved up to us. I see you found my secret, Mr. Diamond. This is the stuff you've been infecting the cattle with. And this is what killed the Gunthers. That's correct. You see, you should have really taken my advice and returned to the States. You'll be held for murder, Cotswold. Who will convict me, Mr. Diamond? No evidence, no one to testify. I'm surprised at you, Inspector. I thought you had more sense. Sometimes a man finds his pride and does the best thing. You know, of course, I can't allow either of you to live. Uh, we had a hunch. Now, tell me something. Who killed little Cheever? He was getting to be a nuisance. I had Jocelyn here attend to the matter. <laughs> What's that? Diamond. Mr. Cotswold, look! Well, now, I want to tell you, I'd seen a lot that day, but that was just a little too much. The howl had come from the open door, and standing in it, framed against the yellow moon... Jim! It's little Jeeva! No! No! But there he was, and he looked even bigger as he shuffled toward the two men, his arms swinging at his sides like two giant sledgehammers. He was going all the way. He hadn't just come back from the dead to sit up. He was taking a walk. Get away! Get away! You're dead! Shoot him! Shoot him! But Jocelyn was too terrified to even raise his arm. The big native reached out, grabbed him with both hands, and crushed him like an egg. For a minute, I was too stunned to move. Then when I saw Cotswold bring up his gun, I threw the bottle. It stopped him long enough for the big native to drop Jocelyn's limp body and charge in. Like an idiot, I had some stupid reason for wanting Cotswold alive, so I tried to head Cheever off. Ever try to stop a freight train with both hands out? He brushed me off, and I crashed into the wall just as he grabbed Cotswold. No! No! He picked him up, raised him high over his head, and threw him the length of the barn. Diamond. He's coming over here. Now, look, 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 old boy. It's, 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 it's me. It's me, Diamond. Little Cheever, please, I... Me, not little Cheever. Y what? 
I should have guessed. Should have guessed what? What is this? This is Big Chiva. Big Chiva? We, oui, me little Chiva's brother. Me pay back for kill little Chiva. Oh, good gosh. I never thought I... We, oui, me big Chiva. Come, I take you back to Gunther House. Little Chiva say you good man. I be your servant. Well, if you don't mind, I just think I'll head back for the States and lie in a warm tub of mud for the next six months. I... Oh, uh, tell me something, Big Chiva. What do you want? You don't have a big brother, do you? Dick Powell will return in just a minute. More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette, according to a repeated nationwide survey. Doctors in every branch of medicine, doctors in all parts of the country, have again been asked what cigarette they smoked. Again, the brand name most was Camel. Yes, according to this survey, more doctors smoke Camels than any other cigarette. Friends, try Camels and discover for yourself the reasons behind Camels' great popularity. You'll enjoy Camels' rich flavor and cool mildness pack after pack and week after week. How mild, how mild, how mild, how mild, how mild can a cigarette be? Make the Camel 30-day test and you'll see. Smoke Camels and see. Here's Dick Powell with a special message. Thank you. Friends, nothing can boost your morale like a gift, especially if you're in a hospital bed. That's why the camel people send gift cigarettes each week to hospitalized servicemen and veterans in this country and overseas. This week, camels are on their way to Veterans Hospitals, Rutland Heights, Massachusetts, and Lyons, New Jersey, U.S. Naval Hospital, Quantico, Virginia, and to all hospitals operated by the Far East Command of the U.S. Air Force. Now until next week, enjoy camels. I always do. Men, has your pipe got your tongue? Well, switch to Prince Albert, the National Joy Smoke. PA's choice tobacco is specially treated to ensure against tongue bite. Yes, and it's crimp cut, too, for smooth, burning, and cool smoking. Get Prince Albert, rich, flavorful, and with a delightful natural fragrance. It's America's largest-selling smoking tobacco. Listen next week for another exciting transcribed adventure of Richard Diamond starring Dick Powell. This is your FBI. The official broadcast from the files of the FBI follows immediately. Stay tuned. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the American Broadcasting Company. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I actually found myself very grateful for the ending. I think the first time I listened to it, and a little bit the second, because I think I heard this episode some years ago. I was like, really, are you going to go there? You're going to do this where the day is saved by a man being resurrected through voodoo, uh, killing off the bad guys. 
Thankfully, they uh, offered another explanation. I was never so glad to have a twin brother explanation than on this particular episode. Though I, I do think it also does make a bit more sense, because we have this guy going around named Little Shiva, and it ends up there's a big Shiva. I do think when you're telling a typical detective story, you can kind of include some spooky hints in there. But if you bring in some supernatural element to uh, essentially solve the case, yeah, unless you've established that this is that sort of world overall, uh, you know, you could do that sort of thing and say the shadow. It really just doesn't work. So they were clever. They managed with a spooky episode, but one that didn't go so far that it was just completely out of the show's wheelhouse. Of course, this uh, entire episode focuses on the uh, voodoo, which was a, a very big plot point in uh, many programs. Uh, you would have a lot of programs set in New Orleans or others like this one set in Haiti that would in some way encounter this whole uh, world of voodoo. And this continued into the uh, age of television. Uh, there was an episode of the really good detective uh, program on TV, uh, Lock Up with McDonald Carey, that... Uh, had an episode uh, like that. And it definitely fascinated people throughout the golden age of radio into the 50s, 60s, and even into the 70s. All right, well, that will actually do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow for Boston Blackie. And then next Wednesday, it's another episode of Richard Diamond. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check out our YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.